you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we explore the dry urn, take down a rebel camp, and help the people of Arrowhand. Welcome to episode 52 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. My name is Jared, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. Yes, I'd like to welcome any new listeners and welcome any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking out the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. And we'd love to have you join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord, where you can talk about the game, talk about the show. Uh, Let us know what you uh, think about things so what did we talk about last time we were in the green swell which wasn't always green we Mm -hmm. found out uh there's some salvage contracts up there some drones well a drone sorry not some drones and a flooded uh to knock the settlement that apparently used to be some type of uh was a cinnabar mine yes the cinnabar mine cinnabar mine with uh that was contaminated with mercury and Aloy is swimming all through that water. <laughs> so Yeah, and they use it for their tattoos. So that's that's not concerning or anything. Yeah, like I I wonder if they're gonna address it like in the next game because they don't say anything else about it in this game, I'll tell you that much. Like nobody's getting sick or anything like that. They're so. not. I, I actually I'm not a mercuriologist. I had to add it in there. Sorry. Um, So I'm not (laughs) sure what mercury, oh my goodness, does to like the human body. But they show like a few hints of, I mean, I guess people don't live very long (laughs) in this world. (laughs) And they show like a few hints on like some things that can happen to the elderly, I guess. So there's like some little things possibly, but I also don't think they thought too far, too deep into it. That is true. Uh, that is true. The, the Tanakh do not live that long. Actually, we're going to come across, I guess, the result of somebody living longer in Tanakh land. Uh, in, in this episode particularly. But yeah, you're right. The Tanakh do, typically do not last that long. But it's, it has nothing to do with the world. It has everything to do with how they handle themselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we uh, talked about last time. We got that great, great armor, the first good armor in the game, mm-hmm. for at least the, that we both got, you know. So things were looking up. But now we're actually going to head south into Dry Yarn, into that, that area, the Dry Yarn. And actually, before we get there, there's something I forgot to bring up in the last episode that has nothing to do with, well, it has something to do with the show, but nothing to do with what's happening. Uh, with our gameplay right now, I forgot to mention that my wife went to Bryce National Park, like in real life. Oh, yeah, she went to Bryce National Park, which, if if anybody's forgetting, that's where Sunfall and the Zero Dawn facility is. So I didn't even think about it until she started showing me pictures, and I'm looking at one of the pictures, 
And I'm like, why does this look so familiar? <laughs> and I, I thought back to the game. I was like, oh, bright. I was like, that's 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 from the game. Or, or sorry, the game, the game actually is- did a pretty good job of mirroring what Bryce looked like, at least to like a degree. Obviously, it's, it's a very small. It's not to scale, right? Right. Did she go but to the like, Zero like, Dawn facility? Uh, yeah, yeah. She she skipped that. Oh. Uh. <laughs> she skipped the Zero Dawn facility. So darn. Uh, yeah, didn't get a chance to see Bryce Orbital. Uh, but yeah, so that was I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. My Bryce, my wife went to Bryce National Park. So I forgot to bring that up last week. That's she did like two weeks ago. So sorry, everybody, I let you down. But anyway, <laughs> dry urine. So this is the area of the desert that actually starts looking like the desert. I guess there's two real desert-like areas. There's a still sand and there's dry urine. And visually, I don't think you can really tell them apart. No, I didn't realize it was two separate areas. I I actually didn't explore this area until the mostly ending of the game. Right. I yeah. totally missed it because it's like just this like skinny strip on the map. It's such a weird placement. I I can see like because the thing that brought me down here, like I said last week, was a salvage contract. That's what brought mm-hmm. me down here. So if it wasn't for that, I would have never came to this area because the salvage contract brings you straight down. It it brings you like the area where the um. Oh, uh, what is it called? The ancient relic graveyard is is directly south, and then immediately after that, you hit the gauntlet run, which we're actually not going to talk about the gauntlet run yet. We're going to talk about the gauntlet run later, but you hit the gauntlet run, which is a uh, it's Horizon Zero Mario Park, uh, oh, Mario Kart, I should say, and <laughs> I was like, um, Mario Park, yes, yeah, I would play that, and, yeah, <laughs> and then right after the gauntlet run is Arrowhand, which is where we're going to be going to for our side quest. So it goes like straight down. Uh, and other than that, I don't really think there's a reason to go there. Cause even actually there, there is a relic ruin in, in dry urn. But if you don't care about relic ruins, <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. I, so the funny thing about that relic ruin is I watched you do it. And then found it shortly after that. And I was like, I well, know what you, to do. If you watched me do it, I had already beat the game when I did it. Because <laughs> that's the only time I streamed. I did not stream this game until after I beat it. Oh, yeah. So that's another thing. I didn't do that until like very close to the end of the game. Yeah. So that, that Relic Ruin and Dry Iron, you cannot do it until you get the ability to open the Metal Flowers. Oh, okay. That probably wasn't the reason why I didn't do it. I just ran past this whole area. <laughs> no, that that relic ruin. I found it early, and I, I found I was walking into it, and I saw the metal flower, and I was like, "Forget it," and I just walked out because it's like you can't do it until you can open those metal flowers, which get which gets rid of the vines. Uh, which actually the the, the tool is called the vine cutter. That doesn't spoil anything, but you you get something called the vine cutter. And, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, actually, is it called the Vine Cutter? I, it, I I'm have no idea. I know it's not a surprise on you're going to get something that opens the to, metal flowers uh, yeah. to take down the vines because you see them everywhere before you even get to that yeah, point. I'm just thinking because the way that works, 
it doesn't cut any vines, to be honest with no. you. So, but we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into, I just saw, I just saw that's what it was called. The ability was called, like I saw that on the wiki somewhere. So uh, we'll get into that when we actually get that ability and then we can argue if the name is appropriate or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that rock run, it's really nothing special about it because yeah, I think the only kind of unique thing, like uh, that, th- there's like a um a door that goes up and down, mm-hmm. and in order to, I think, I think in order to finish that relic run, you have to pull a train cart, or not a train cart, but a cart on tracks between the door. Don't let it close all the way, so you can get up to where the relic is. Yeah, apparently this was kind of buggy when the game first launched because the cart was like stuck under rubble and people just couldn't get it out from under the rubble. Like it took people like multiple minutes to finally like just shimmy it loose. Real okay, yeah. yeah. So I didn't have that problem by the time I by the time I did it. So it yeah, must have been was, fixed by the time fine. I got there. Yeah, so there's so that relic run, and uh, like I said, we're not going to talk about the gauntlet run. There is a survey drone, but this is like one of the easiest ones because there's the area is so clear mm-hmm. where you are that it's just so easy to see where you're supposed to go to get the drone. Like there was no, I didn't even have to like really look around. I was like, I just climbed up the side of the rock face, and I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be over there to get the drone, and that's the that was the end of it. Yeah, I was like two hours away. from from putting the game down when I got this drone. So, yeah, so, like, just because of how far I was in in the game, I was like, oh, there's a a drone. Like, I got in and out in, like, two seconds. Ah, okay, yeah. There is a Rebel Outpost specifically for the dry urn, and this is another one of those outposts that you can get on the high ground. So I did it again. I just glided down over top of the boss and just just death from above and it was even even easier this time because he's in the middle of this watchtower so no he nobody has eyes on this guy you know he's watching everybody else nobody's watching him so i just kill him and that's the end of it see i didn't even think about getting like the vantage point but i was very well into the game like this this is actually where i I popped level 50, like, in the middle of doing this. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, like, I was just throwing acid at everyone and just headshotting. Because, like, my... What I do with humans at that point in the game is throw the acid bomb on them. I didn't realize that when I got the acid blast sling, I put on two acid coils. So... yeah. It was super powerful with that. So... I would do that with people and machines. Just destroy them all. There's, like, a Ravager out front, I think gone there's a ravager and a bristleback yeah yeah i destroyed like i didn't even try to take off the gun i did the acid and then i hid behind the rock shot it hid behind there like as it's trying to shoot at me it easy because he's up on a high point when i killed him i just jumped off and glided down to another lower rock mass and i was out of the base yeah. And then you just take, take a couple steps away. When the thing pops up that says, oh, you beat the Rebel Outpost, you turn around and you could just go back and loot the whole place. Not to mention anybody that you would have killed in there. You get the credit for it. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, you just go back and loot everything. There, there was a lot of point times where I just like killed the leader and went out, but I did not realize any of that. So, oops. Yeah, like they disappear. They're like, oh, he's he's out. Well, later, Regala. Like you know, yeah. that's that's it. No, I just silent striked him. Anyone else too? I just did a headshot, like the piercing bow. If they have a helmet on, I'd shoot the helmet off and immediately shoot another arrow and they die before they even get alerted. Oh, yeah. I didn't have a piercing bow at this point. I actually got the piercing bow from doing the rebel camp that's in the area oh. or piercing ammo from getting doing the rebel camp. So let's talk about that because that's a little bit more in depth. This is called the hive. This rebel camp was the hive. And uh, Ayla, she figures out pretty quickly that this camp supplies weapons and armors for the other rebels. So our goal is to stop that. And now as I'm doing it, because I think we talked about it before, that each camp does something specific for the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. I do wish that taking down each camp made a difference in the game. Like, if we destroy this one, we see Rebels with weaker, you know, or less armor or weapons. Or when we took down the first one, we see less Rebels riding machines. You know, uh, yeah, we, you find, like, there's all types of uses for the Rebel camp. So I wish it kind of would have affected the Rebel forces to a degree. But maybe they just didn't have time to really put that in. Um, also probably would have really hampered something that happens later on, but we'll get to it. <laughs> um, but compared to those other, to some other camps, this one feels pretty big. Mm-hmm. I, if this is a pretty large camp and for some reason it was also, it felt less fortified. Like there's just two or three ways for you to walk into this place without being seen. Like, I just you went in through to, the front door. <laughs> yeah. Like you could just walk in two three different locations not sneaking just like walk in and stand there and look around and nobody's going to see you you know it's not like you got to find a crack in the wall or something like that you know i i was very comfortable with the game at this point so i was like extra bold i didn't get seen a single time and i was not really hiding and i killed everyone in the camp yeah this camp was i think the most fun i've had in a camp this one was the most fun like uh, there's a bunch of different places to hide if you get caught. Uh, it's also really easy to isolate enemies and stealth kill them. And it's like the camp like, it was a big camp, but it felt like it didn't have enough staff. You know? Right. Like, I, would, I would literally uh, go loud with one enemy. The other enemies wouldn't arrive at that location until I was already gone. It was like Batman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it felt like. And I'm like, man, these guys are having pandemic issues too. You know? <laughs> So, yeah, like it was like it was super easy to reposition to the point where they would start looking for me after they found my victim and uh, I would be able to easily get behind them as they were looking for me, you know? Yeah, dude, the most wild thing is before you get like there's a spot where you can get up top to like the main area and then there's just like beams like walkways up top. So I was like on the beams up top. And there were two people coming right at me, but just walking because they don't see me. I, I shot an acid bomb at them and like hid behind a corner, like hardly hidden. And they both died almost right away. Like they didn't see me. Anytime I blew anything up, nobody heard it. Like they're yeah. <laughs> all on the other side of the camp. Yeah. Like the camp was huge. And I mean, if, if that's not enough for you, like the sharp, if you have a sharp shot bow, like. You could just plug people from so far away. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was doing, and nobody was wearing helmets. There was yeah, like, that's a, another thing. yeah, there was a couple people wearing helmets, but a lot less helmets than you would think for a camp. Absolutely. Usually, that's the problem with the rebels. Like, you got to shoot them twice in the head. Mm-hmm. 
you know so yeah like it's and yeah it was it was a lot like especially in you were shooting them from so far away that even if they did have a helmet on they're like whoa what was that thing that just shot at my face and broke my helmet wide open and you have a a chance to shoot them with the second arrow so yeah and on top on top of that there's a prisoner you can free to help you out if that's not enough i freed him and then i was like oh no, I'm afraid. Because I've had the situation before where I've had a second person and I accidentally alerted the camp, but like only one person in the camp, but killed them fast. But because someone was alerted, they just run in and I was like, oh man, they're going to ruin my entire vibe. But they didn't help me because I literally stealthed the whole thing. Like even with the leader, I stealthed the leader. Someone kind of saw what happened and they ran over (laughs) and I like acid bombed them. My favorite part though is like, before I got up top, I saw someone on the other side and I was like, ah, I think this will reach. And I did like an arcing like shot of the acid bomb and it went over the railing and like hit them. I couldn't even see them. Really? Yeah. All the death markers like Kobe. Like- yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. When so when the the boss or when the leader comes out, I just I just hit him with like two acid thing two acid like uh with the acid sling twice and he was dead like the first one he got fully corrosive and then he's like patting himself down and screaming and then the second one he was dead like it was over did he come out for you because he was hanging out in like the headquarter area for me when i took the the gate down and i walked over there he came down there's a gate yeah, there's like a, there's like a little, I think they, almost all of them have gates where you got to shoot the the ties on, not the gate, but the tie on the bridge and the bridge falls down. Oh, I just climbed up there and like stealth him. I miss these gates every time. You miss the gates. You miss the fun uh, ziplining <laughs> parts. Zip yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, like I just, and when I did that. The uh, the people that are near him like huh, and then I just killed them real quick, and then he, he came down. So yeah, this was a nice little like playground. So you know, I could kill him, and we go to the uh, the command center, and Aloy just starts confirming everything that she already said before. I was like, oh, they have a forge here. Oh, they are making weapons here. I was like, yeah, that's what we said when we came in. And there is a voice message from what seems to be the leader of the Sons of Prometheus, and. She, I, I, I forget. I didn't write down the exact thing she says, but she's like, I heard about some complaining about the work condition and the occasional loss of limbs when somebody gets careless. Like she kind of like <laughs> just shrugs it off, you know. Like that's not some. We're not living in the future. Well, technically speaking, we are in the future. We but in we're the not future. like in. We're not in the good future where if you lose a limb, you can get like a robot one. You know. Right. Yeah, where you lose a limb, and that's like some serious stuff. In her in, in in the world of Horizon, you know, uh, and she basically just tells him to suck it up, and you find out that the reason they allied with the rebels is so they can get revenge against the Karja and the Vanguard for the Red Raids, or specifically the Karja for the Red Raids, and then the Vanguard for helping Avad take the uh, Meridian back, you know, so that they're going after the Karja and the Vanguard. So I'm like, is this you know Derval 2.0. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> that's what it feels pretty like. much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you do finish the camp by destroying the weapon caches, and then you just walk away while it's exploding, wearing your sunglasses, and that's that's how this camp ends. There's no sunglasses in Horizon, uh, but yeah, there you know should what I'm be. 
Because <laughs> there should be. I don't know how many times I was like shooting my bow and I'm like, oh, I can't see. Someone put out the sun, please. Really? Why don't you turn off HDR? Because it's pretty. <laughs> I'll probably help if you turn off HDR. So, um, but uh, yeah, so that that like I said, that, that, I think I, feel, I almost feel like that's the most fun rubble camp in the game. Yeah, I, I actually you. enjoy the camps in the outpost more than anything in this game, which is like the most really? ridiculous thing. I just love going in and like doing my thing and going out, and I hate stealth. That's the wild thing about it. I hate stealth, but for some reason, in this last game, they felt like a chore because of the stupid alarms. And this game, they just gave you so many things. I just maybe it's because I felt overpowered, and they all felt like little playgrounds. Maybe. Yeah, I uh, the outposts. I just kind of want to get them done as quickly as possible. The camps I like because there's actually a story there. There's something yeah. going on there, so that's why I do enjoy the camps. So. Uh, but yeah, now that we're doing that, I believe that's all the activities. Like I said, we're going to come back to the Gauntlet Run uh, once we have more of the area unlocked on this show. Uh, we'll talk about the Gauntlet Run. But let's talk for uh, we'll talk about the Thirst for the Hunt, which is actually the first of of a three side quest like mini series, <laughs> essentially, where the, it is a three side quest story. And while in the Dry Urn or just Dry Urn, Ilo comes across a Tanakh settlement, Arrowhand. And she's like, oh, it's a Tanakh settlement. I'm have to watch my step. Now, I know you did this later. Does she still say that when she goes there? I actually didn't make a comment of that. So I don't think so. The only issue, the only weird thing that I had was when I went into Scalding Spear. And as I was leaving, I got stopped as if I was entering for the first time because they put the entrance stopped. At only one entrance in there. Oh, <laughs> like the really? entrance cutscene, yeah. But like, I don't recall anything happening at any other places. I don't. I don't think I got stopped at Scalding Spear. Really? I I'll, yeah. Maybe I'll talk about that when we go there. But yeah, because I got stopped here by two guards. Did you get stopped by two guards? Yeah, at Scalding Spear. No, this at Arrowhand, I got stopped. I didn't by get stopped, but you didn't. So I think that happens anytime you go into your first knock camp, then or territory. Well, technically speaking, wasn't uh, Bleeding Mark a, a settlement? Yeah. Well, I guess that's a little different because they're flooded. They're flooded. <laughs> uh, but I went, I went into Scalding Spear before I went there, so you didn't get right. stopped at Scalding Spear. No. So huh. this is what happened. So um, I go up. Uh, you get stopped by two guards, and one tells her that Tanakh don't suffer uh, outlet. Oh, what is it? He says uh, Tanakh don't suffer outlanders in the clan lands. That's what he says. And then she tells him that she was given passive passage by a marshal Fashab, and that she isn't there to fight. And the other recognizes her by her hair. It says she's the one who defeated Gruda, and her life is not theirs to take. And they agree to let her in, and they tell her to mind her ways because she's being watched. Literally the same cutscene, but like I went in from like the east side and I think I left through the south. And when I was leaving, that's when they stopped me. And I'm like, bro, I'm, you already let me in. Like you, you already failed right, at your job. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that I can't remember if there's two ways in the arrow hand or not. There's one main entrance for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't I, I can't remember, but like, yeah, there's the thing's one main entrance because it's all like guarded up and it has like. The stick poles, you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. The spikes and things like that. So, 
But yeah, that's what that's so okay. So it's the same cutscene, just in a different place. Just in a different place. Hmm, okay. So uh, Aloy, she goes in the settlement. She's a lot of people are wounded, and she comes across Draka and Jedica, who are having some kind of disagreement. Look, we don't get those hearts, we don't get water, and everyone dies. <sighs> I'm going back to the pens. I'll gut those machines myself. So machines did this. An Easterner with a hair like blood. The Outlander from the Embassy. You killed Greta, Regala's champion. He was one of ours. It's Aloy, and I'm not looking for any trouble. Well, maybe I could use some trouble right about now. Out there is a big herd my people harvest. We take the machine's hearts, send them to our capital, get paid with water. It's it harder every year. Killer machines keep showing up to defend the herd. Last one hit us right as we were penning up our prey. Nearly wiped us out. But our quarry is still in the pens, which means if I can get their hearts, we can trade for the water we need. If you go out there alone, you'll probably wind up dead, Draka. I'm not going alone, Chaplain. The great champion killer is coming with me. How about you answer some questions first? So one thing I want to say, at this point, does Aloy even need Fashav's blade since everybody recognizes her by her hair? Because Jedica definitely recognized her by her hair. Ah, uh, I don't... Yeah, well, like, this is the only time she talks about it or shows it, right? I don't think she carries it on her after this point. That's true. I mean, I was just saying, like, I mean, but, like, they don't even say, they don't say, oh, that's for Shaft's blade. They're like, oh, blood hair. <laughs> you know, like, right. hair like blood. Like, yeah, she defeated Greta's champion. So, funny thing about this, this is actually one of the, um... One of the side quests that actually changes dialogue depending on how far you are in the game, because I did this after I beat the game and they're like, oh, you're the person that did this, which is like a midpoint in the game. So they actually bring that up a few times and that's what they recognize you by instead of just being the person that like killed Greta. Uh, but they still recognize her by her hair. But they still recognize her by her hair. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so long story short is Arahan needs machine hearts to take uh, to trade for water at Scalding Spear. And more dangerous machines have been showing up to stop them from hurting machines. And this time they took a big hit. They didn't get a chance to get the hearts, but the machines are still in their pens. So Draka wants Aloy's help in getting the hearts, right? Uh, so Aloy, she can ask additional questions before helping Draka. And you get, you know, just more information. So Draka talks about how Scalding Spear is the only place with running water. And he says it's like they're holding everyone's lives in their hands. And he also talks about their commander and how he doesn't like her very much. And Jenica defended her by saying that living in the desert is harder than living in other clan areas. So there must be more discipline. And then Jenica also reminds Draka that talking against the commander is insubordination. Yeah, so... Uh, which I'm sure in Tanakh land can get you killed. Yep. <laughs> Especially well, in desert land. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe at this point, it's kind of just like, I don't know. I don't know what to believe about the Tanakh. They talk a that big game, <laughs> but they don't. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, you find out that the machines that caused them so much damage, or the machines specifically that caused them so much damage was a thunder jaw. Right. So, um, yeah, I guess the next step is if they if they, if they destroy the Thunderjaw and they keep hurting the machines, the next step are Apex machines for Hephaestus. That's how he's been kind of rolling here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you also find about chaplains. Jedica, he's a, a chaplain. 
uh, which, you know, he's one of the few Tanakh that survived to be an older age. And most he looks like late 40s, early 50s. Like, he doesn't look like old, old. Uh, and he serves as an advisor to the clan, specifically the Desert Clan. And, I mean, I guess 40s or 50s is a long time to survive as a Tanakh because they did have those clan wars, which I'm assuming lasted for a very long time. I mean, to the point right. that they were recruiting Utaru. Right. Right. Which, once again, is a bad deal for the Utaru, but still. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but you also find that Regala was Desert Clan. Both Regala, both Regala and Greta were Desert Clan. Like when you, <laughs> It's funny because when you talk about Greta or when they bring up Greta, like, oh, yeah, Greta, he was one of ours, you know? Like they say it like with kind of like pride and happiness to a degree, <laughs> but they don't care that he's dead. <laughs> they don't care that he's dead. I'm like, oh, he was one of ours. I think um, I think that they look at it as like, yeah, he was a really good warrior. Maybe that's why they're proud of him, but not they don't care because they're like, yeah, he's probably better off dead. <laughs> right? Yeah, like they don't they, they don't they don't care that he died. Like, well, if he didn't want to die, maybe he shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have sucked so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, <laughs> if you were if he didn't want to die, he should have. Uh, well, you know, uh, survived that battle. And we're still carrying but, a part of him with us too, the glider. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. <laughs> his his contribution to our gameplay. Yep. Uh, so uh, yeah, he. Oh, actually, sorry, not he, but uh, Regala was also part of the Desert Clan, and they said she was a desert. Uh, not, uh, sorry, a legend among their clan. Uh, she was fearless and unrelenting, and we already know that she was upset with Akaro over him agreeing to the peace talks with the Karja because she yelled that from the mountaintop that she was on not the mountaintop but that rock mass the high point um eh, the high ground i should say and regala wanted the tanakh to push into the east as a way to expand and also to get revenge on the karja which i personally think would have been a bad idea because they they would have been able to push through barren light and take all of barren light but when they hit meridian i'm pretty sure they would have got whooped <laughs> like they, I don't think they could have got. I don't think they could have taken Meridian, especially after the Battle of Meridian. Yeah, I think everybody is kind of on guard because it it hasn't been that long since the last game. It's been six months, so everybody's kind of on guard still. Yeah, like I mean, with the weapon, and not not just like on guard, but with the weaponry that was developed to help fight that battle. Like, Very true. They have a crazy amount of range available, <laughs> you know, to them. It's so. also a very long trip. Like thinking about the trip between like the first game and the second game, it had to have been a while. Like Aloy traveled through all of that snow. She had to take that elevator down. Like, how are you going to bring all of this to knock up the elevator? <laughs> that is also true. You know, but knowing that to knock, they'll just climb. They'll just they climb it. Yeah. They'll just climb it and they'll get up there. But I think if they would have taken Sunfall. It would have been all all great and songs of warriors and stuff like that until they got to Meridian. They would have taken Bright Market. Who cares about Bright Market, though? Uh, you know. Yeah, I just don't think that a lot of them would have survived the trip. Like, it's a long trip. It's cold. They haven't been in the cold, especially if they're desert clan. Like, they don't. They're not used to that climate. That's true, but it doesn't. Well, that's the thing about Regalos Rebels, though. They're all. They're a mixture all of all over. the clans. Yeah. So they, the the people from the Sky Clan who ha, who who do have familiarity with cold, you know colder environments, they probably could have said, "Hey, dude, you're gonna want to wear this," you know. Yeah, while they wear <laughs> like their nothing clothing still because they're used to yeah, that. Exactly. So. <laughs> Very true. So yeah, I I think they would have got to Meridian, and then that would have been 
that would have been it, <laughs> you know, for that for that little rebellion there. Uh, but um, yeah. So she didn't like that. She challenged Hikaru for leadership, and he had no choice but to face her in combat. And Hikaru won, and he should have killed her, but he didn't. He he displayed mercy, and mercy is an insult to a lot of Tanakh, and specifically to Regala. So. Uh, Jedica says now that she rides machines and murders marshals, they may not be able to ignore her camps in the desert for much longer because they just haven't been doing anything. And Drock says no one in the desert clan will touch those camps because this is between Regala and Hakaro. And says that Hakaro is strong. If, you know, if he's strong enough, he'll prevail. And if not, you know, he'll make way for one who is. So, um, you know, Aloy's like, that's a bit harsh, but Drock is like, so is the desert. Shrug, <laughs> you know that that's it. So the Desert Clan really, I don't know. They really just feel like they're neutral on the whole situation with Akaro. You know, like let let them let them you know work that out, and we'll see what happens. So they have their own problems they need to figure out. Uh, they do. They do have their own problems they need to figure out. But that's the thing. You still you kind of have to be able to look at the bigger picture too. I guess they, I, I'm assuming they didn't look into what was going on with Regala at all, right? Because they would know that Regala would want to build an army to go attack the... Well, actually, it sounds like they know that she would want to build an army to go attack the uh, the Karja, which will become their problem mm-hmm. if she becomes the chief. You know, because she's going to be taking people and, like, saying, hey, we're going to go attack the Karja, you know? And they're over here having water issues. <laughs> 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 you know, so... Uh, but, um... Aloy, she does agree to help harvest the parts, and you can either go with him immediately or just meet him at the outpost. Uh, I'm not sure. You probably went with him immediately. This is probably just, one of the final quests you did, right? Yeah, it was one of the final quests I did, so I was like, "Why? Not? what else am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I just met him there, uh, which I, I don't know if he has this conversation before you get to him or before, like you know, while you're on your way to the pens the whole way or, or you know, once you get to the outpost, but um. I met him at the outpost, and while you're making your way to the pins, he talks about how an outlander is helping him, but his own clan won't. And he says that the commander is always talking about how scarce water is, but no one in Scalding Spear is dying of thirst, and no one in his squad is dying of thirst. And he says the clan should be led by someone who knows what it's like to fight to survive. And Aloy's like, oh, I'm assuming you're talking about yourself. And he is. He's like, I'd make sure everybody gets water they need, no matter what village they're from. You know? So big promises, big promises. Can't see behind the curtain now. You know, everybody wants to be president to their president and they get that, you know, that, that, uh, that big briefing. The yep. aliens are here, sir. Like the what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I did get this but, conversation on the way there. Was it like an actual cutscene conversation for you? A cutscene? No, we just ran and talked. Oh, like from the pens area. Yeah. So from okay. the outpost. From the outpost and then to the pens, yeah. So, uh, but you reach the pens and he says that they need to calm the barricade and be ready to fight once they get in. And he's looking forward to the champion killer in action. Once again, not really caring about Greta. (laughs) And he lets Aloy take the lead. And I'm like, oh, great leadership skills there, Draka. (laughs) I was very confused about that too. I think I wrote that in here and I was like, me, I don't know where I am. Shouldn't someone who has like a better idea of the lands take the leap? Whatever, it's fine. Right, exactly. So, uh, but once you're on top of the barricade, you can see two ravagers protecting 
a group of fire fanghorns. And I mean, the area is not small, but it isn't that large when you consider all of the different rock masses in the middle of it. Like there's these, these like high points and low, there's all these high points that you can get to. And they do provide some cover. But when you have two ravagers on you, you'll always be under attack. And they can, they can, like, if you're not careful, you can kind of get squeezed into these small spaces. And that doesn't even include if you spook the fight, the fanghorns, which you will. Once the fighting starts, they will, you know, start shooting fire at you. It's kind of a mess. And then on top of that, the ravages will attack more frequently once their guns are knocked off. So I did, we didn't, we definitely did not have the same experience here because I was so far into the game. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to override one of them. And I did. And it took everything out. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is this is a level 17 quest. <laughs> we're going to talk about it like we're level 17 here. <laughs> because, no, we didn't even have that option. Like, none of this stuff could be overwritten by me at this point. Uh, and I had already done Cauldron Move, but that's, that's like the basics of overrides, right? Yeah, like, I had to fight and kill everything. <laughs> like, that's how, like, it is not a fun area to fight in. Like, there's a ton of element of damage that's tossed around here. The fire from the Fanghorns, shock and plasma from the Ravagers. Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) And one of the Ravagers moves in a circular path, so if you want to, you can trap it to death. But it takes so long, because every time a trap goes off, since everybody's, like, kind of close together, it's nothing like that Rebel Camp. Everybody's kind of, like, on alert when a trap goes off. And if you set a second trap off too early... Everybody will instantly know where you are. Right. So you that that requires a lot of patience. And I wasn't even high enough level to want. And at this point, I think I was level 21. There's level 17 quest. I was not high enough level to one strike the fire fanghorns. So I could get like one or two dead before the fight starts. But that was it. And also one melee hit from a ravager took half my health at this point in the game. Were you still hard? Yes. Oh. I was still playing on hard. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, like one hit from a Ravager would take half my health. And uh, if I got hit with their shockwave thing, it took 75% of my health. So. See, I had some. I'm so glad I didn't do this early on in the game because I did do. <sighs> The, I, I get their names wrong. The bandit. There we go. The car, shadow Karja. There we go. Got it. Oh, I yeah. did that quest before this with a Ravager that didn't have the gun. And I had to do that like seven times before I actually did it. Like it was really rough. So I don't know if I would have been able to handle it at the point where you were in the game. Maybe I was just having a lot of issues early on. I was not making the best decisions. Yeah, fighting double ravagers in a an enclosed area is not is not easy at this point. And it also it just felt hard to focus on one machine at a time. You just kind of had to deal with whoever was in your face because like for example, I would knock a, one, of the, one of the ravager guns off or maybe I would stun the ravager and it'd be laying down and I'd go to use the ravager gun on it and I'd just get hit by somebody else. Like on two occasions I would pick up the Ravager gun and fire at Ravager, and then two fire fanghorns would just hit me with fire at the same exact time, and I'd die. There, yeah, you could, even if you're not playing on hard, I got hit by, like, two fireballs before and died. Like, they, they're no joke. 
Yeah. And the fact that you can't really just focus a machine down means that you're going to, it leads to machines living longer. So even if they only have like one health, if they have one HP, they can still fire and kill you, Mm -hmm. you know, so you you can't take them off the field. And I, I, I ended up getting passes by being patient with the first Ravager. Like I basically just trapped to death and they actually, they're really weak to purge water. They were really weak to purge water. So I was able to use that to get one of them down. Then I took out as many fire fangs as I could. A fire fang horns, and then I took out the uh, last ravager. And in this run, I actually I used the pull caster to get up and down really fast. Like if the ravager was on top of me, like I would, coming toward me, I would pull caster up to a high area, wait for him to run around and come up, and then just jump right back down. That's something I yeah. did not utilize enough in this game, and I wish I had. I just did not use the pull caster in fights that much. Oh yeah, I like it. I I got used to it because I mean I I, I would die if I didn't yeah. otherwise. <laughs> so um, I think this fight is where I really started to learn the power of acid in the game. Like I was able to take out that second ravager so quickly once I I, I got it on a corrosive status and then use the gun on it. Like, he died super fast. So, but uh, after the battle is done, Draka asks Aloy to grab the hearts while he attends to the dead. And Aloy wants to head back to Arrowhand, but Draken wants to go to where they fought the Thunderjaw so he can get the tags of the soldiers he lost there. And Aloy's like, okay, cool. So on the way to the Thunderjaw, Draka asks about how many have to die. Well, he doesn't just ask, but he talks about how many have to die just to get water. And Aloy asks if, you know, he's talked to the commander, but he says she won't listen. Says the only thing she'll listen to is the sound of a bow being drawn. And then he asks, tells Aloy that if he ever had to take the commander on, he would appreciate it if she was on the side. And Aloy's like, oh, you know, I'm just passing by, not my war, blah, 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 you know. Typical Aloy things as she sticks her nose into everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, uh, but once they make it to the site, they find someone that's actually alive. And <laughs> I don't know, he's trying to talk, but he can't really, like, you know, speak, you know, clearly. Because Draka says something like, you know, speak English or something like that. He doesn't say speak English, but, you know, I forget the words that he says, but it's, it's akin to saying, you know, speak English. Don't want somebody speaking gibberish. Um, and, um, yeah, like, as he's doing that, some Apex burrowers pop up, like three of them. Mm-hmm. This fight was highly annoying, mainly because Draka just kept dropping. Like, he just kept dying over and over again. Yeah, that even happened with me. Like, I didn't have as much uptime probably as you did with Burrowers because, again, I was very far into the game. Right, yeah. Three but, Apex Burrowers. Yeah, but like, uh, well, yeah, I would just, uh, my, my like, go-to for Burrowers was one heavy shot them, they would go down and then crit hit them. And that even worked on Apex Burrowers. So it was like a mm. one-two down. Uh, Probably, again, because I was that far into the game. But Right, yeah. Yeah, no. Throughout this entire thing, though, he was he was down like the whole time. Yeah, he was just down the whole time. I need some help. Like or, <laughs> he was like called out for help. I'm like a busy bro. Like please yeah. stop. Yeah, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> so once I once I got done with that, well, once you get done with that, I th- the Thunderjaw comes back, and this was actually my first Thunderjaw fight in the game. My very first one. It's like my third. <laughs> Yeah, your third? Like, oh, okay. Like, At this yeah, point, like I, yeah. Yeah, so, like, um, 
It was my first Thunderjaw fight in the game, and I th- I thought this was the fight where I actually turned down the, the difficulty, but after rewatching it, I didn't. I actually ended up switching the difficulty the next time I played. I think I just got tired of my resources being so sparse. Oh. I think that was it. Like, I was turning on the game, and I was like, I just don't feel like dealing with this anymore, and I, and I turned it from uh, hard to normal. But this fight, I, cause I, the way I remembered it, this fight, I turned the difficulty down in the middle of it, and that didn't happen like that. I actually did finish out the uh, I finished out the fight on the harder difficulty, which I'm like, why did I do that? Like, was it pride? Was it foolish, stupid pride that made me want to finish out this fight on hard? You know, Cause I think after this fight, I still played for like another hour after this. Wow. You know, so yeah, but um. Yeah, so this fight, it definitely was a catalyst. I'll tell you that much, because this fight just was not fun for me. It wasn't. I had to pour so many resources just to make a dent. Like, to put corrosive status on it, I had to use 12 corrosive arrows. 12 per corrosive status, okay? And it was just draining all my resources. Literally, when I finished this fight, when I finished it, I had zero arrows left. None and no parts to make more arrows. Like after this fight, I'm trying to get back to Arrowhand. There are enemies in my way, and I had to find a way around them because I had nothing to fight them with. All of my resources were gone. Period. You know, unless I was going to fight them with the with the uh, the, the tear. Well, not even, the, not even the spear, but the tear, the tear uh, shredder gauntlet. You know, oh, I mean that's that was that's pretty I, strong. The tear shredder gauntlet. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'm not gonna. It was a behemoth, too. Like, I'm not gonna fight like behemoths with a terrifying gauntlet. Okay, so, like, something that I noticed in the pens, I didn't realize that they were the pens. There's a behemoth in there. Are they there all the time? Those are pens where the behemoths are? I think so, because there's not like a behemoth um thing. So, when you go to the pens to get the resources, there's like actually machines nearby. There's like a bellow back and a behemoth in there. I forgot to mention that, but like right next to where you're supplying that Drocket tells you to get all the stuff. So I assume that was the pens. Oh, maybe. That's an outpost, they said. The pens were uh, where you fought the Ravagers. Okay. Yeah, uh, the pens were, yeah. Yeah, because where you got the supplies, there was, like, I thought it was the pens because there was, like, wooden fence around. But, like, now that I'm thinking about it, that's not going to hold back any machine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, they were just, like, right there. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't notice them until, my, until I was going back. That's when I started noticing it. But dude, I could not get any parts off of this thing. Like, I could, like, it, 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 I shouldn't say that. At the end, I got off, like, the right machine gun. And then I did get off the one of the disc launches. But this is like toward the end of the fight. Like, you know, normally you can tear that stuff pretty off pretty early. Now, I will also say that I don't have like a tear blast arrow or something like that. At best, I was using the shredder gauntlet, the uh, tear shredder. But no, man. And yeah, it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't get the disc launchers off. So that didn't help because. I always had to be on the move because he was always firing the discs, always firing the disc. And two of those discs would hit me. It's death. Mm. Like actually, technically speaking, if one of the discs hit me, it would be death because one would hit you. You get stunned. The second one just comes right down. Bow, you're gone. You know, 
Uh, and once again, Draka keeps going down. He's just help me, like you know. He's like you know, I need help. Like, and then there are also Ravager carcasses around that you're supposed to be able to tear the guns off of, and I couldn't figure out how to tear the gun off until after we, the fight was over. Oh, you can tear. Okay, so I remember the comment, and I'm about to tell you how I did the fight, and I don't know if you're going to be upset or not, but I I didn't see the guns at all even after the fight. I was like, wasn't I able to use? something else but i I didn't need to so right yeah how do you where were they like how do you get them off the ravagers are on the ground and you basically just have to hit it off but that's the thing like i would i found the ravager and i'm and i'm like swinging at the gun and it's not coming off it's not coming off and then once i actually had the thunder jaw down i went back to the ravager and now the gun is glowing yellow and i'm able to hit it off with no problem so it's probably just a bug. They do this thing a lot in this game, too, where they add, like, one-time mechanics and don't explain <laughs> really well <laughs> how to use those one-time mechanics. And you figure it out at the end, and you're like, well, never going to use that again. Yeah, like, I mean, I think you can. there are other places where you'll find Ravager carcasses, and you can pull off a gun. There are other oh. places. Or so you, you can hit off a gun. There are a couple other places that are like that. Okay. But, well... I yeah. didn't. I you didn't never use it. Clearly, <laughs> because you want to. You want to know about my fight. He comes in, doesn't see me. I don't care. I'm like you know super bold at this point. Shoot both of his guns off with tear, and before he turns around, I shoot his tail off with tear, and then I just acid him, run and get the the disc launchers, and just shoot him down. And that was so that you- was it. <laughs> so the one disc launcher I got off exploded when it hit the ground. Oh no! <laughs> I don't. I've never seen. I just like. Oh, I guess you can't use disc launchers in this game. This is the first time to draw a fought, right? And I'm like, I guess you just can't use the disc launchers. And I was super mad because as soon as it popped off, I'm like, finally, I'm be able to use a disc launcher. I'm gonna hit him and I'm gonna kill him. Boom! I was like, wow, there goes my hopes and dreams right there. I wonder if you it know, took so. too much damage because you didn't have tear blast. You said yet, right? Or the arrows? That is, I, that is true. I didn't have the tear blast arrows. I was using the tear shredder gauntlet. Yeah. See, at that time, I was like, my trees were like super maxed out, and I had a super high bow with like, I think I had tear coils on the bow, so it was like a one shot. Oh really? Yeah. No. 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 So. <laughs> but I eventually did get it out. I was trying to frost it. Forget about it. Like, no. it would have taken, like, 20 frost arrows even, on that difficulty. Even in normal mode, though, like, and towards the end of the game, I still feel like frosting took forever, no matter what, if it wasn't purged first. Like, purge would usually go super fast, and then frosting would take forever, and then it wouldn't even last long enough to make a difference. Like, it's a yeah. lot different than how the last game worked. I think they kind of took, like, a few of their elements and split them up a little bit and like refine them. So I guess that's where that sticky status comes from, where it's like, okay, well, they're not going to move. We'll make that its own thing. Uh, right. I, th- I think frost is more used for if you want to get them brittle and to rip off parts. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, you just acid them. Like if you're dealing with anything with armor, just yeah. acid because the, 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 the armor will fly off on its own. I really feel like frost is only good against, I would, I would say, fire enemies or people who have fire elemental but at that point just use purge water yeah just use purge water any any elemental thing just use purge water and they are no longer elemental you know fire claw now you just have a a wrestling bear 
essentially. A big, <laughs> you know, a big telly, uh, telly, teddy bear that wants to give you a hug. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's that's what you have. So, but I don't know. They, they really, really nerfed Frost in this in this game. So I'm curious what they do with the next one. I wonder if they're like, oh, acid was too strong. No, it wasn't too strong. It just did what it was supposed to do. You know, it was helpful, I will say. It was great. Yeah, Frost, I will say Frost was a bit strong only because in the first game, you frosted everything. Mm-hmm. Everything got frosted and then you shot and then you shot it. Versus this game, like you could put acid on some things and it just won't really do it, you know? So like you put acid on a bellow back, it will rip the armor off, but like it's not gonna help you as much. Yeah. Yeah, I never bellow backs, I just shoot their their sacks. Unless you need the webbing. I hate that when I need bellow back webbing. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, well, I think as long as one is is intact, then you're fine. Uh, depends. I, like sometimes you need a lot of webbing, depending on oh. like what you're trying to upgrade. So I guess that's true. I never. I think there was too many things happening in this game that I was like, I don't have to have max upgrades. It's fine. Right. That's true. Oh yeah. So after the thunder draw is down, Draka and Aloy go to check on the soldier they found. Uh, the soldier is alive and thankful they came from. Draka asks Aloy to take the hearts back to Arrowhand so he can help the soldier back and thanks Aloy. When you get back to Arrowhand, Draka shows up with the soldier he retrieved. You know, he tells Jedica to get the hearts scalding spear and make sure the commander knows how many had to die to get them. And uh, there's something else going on, though, because after Draka leaves, Jedica, you know, he asks you for help. And he says, heard about your second sight. And says it might be useful for a problem they're having in Scalding Spear. I mean, it clearly has something to do with the water because Jedica says that their problems may not be solved as easily as Draka thinks. So the big problem they're having right now is water. Right. And then he asks you to meet him there. So that puts you into the second uh, quest, which I think is called Wound in the Sand. And that's where this quest ends. So that we're done with Thirst of the Hunt. Thirst for the Hunt? Thirst yeah, they were for Thirst the for the Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the I, I, I we were originally going to try to talk about all three in this <laughs> uh, in this one episode, but no, no. Like it's just too much to talk about. Or we're just long winded. One of the two, you know. I don't know if it's the content, or I don't know if it, if it's us. Why not both? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we can we can do both. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is I will say like you know this is like the first real taste we get of of a Tanakh clan like like a, like a real taste like we you know we met the kids in no man's land and then we also met the people who were flooded but both of them were in like odd circumstance mm-hmm. you know like they were in their normal Tanakh form but you know in Arrowhand they're like oh you better get out of here we're gonna kill you you know but then it, <laughs> That that still breaks what they were saying about the Tanakh because they're saying like, yo, if they don't recognize you, if they don't see this blade, you're going to die on sight. You know, right? she didn't have it like around her neck or anywhere that like would show like in her pocket, in her back pocket or something. Exactly. Like that's what they're saying. Like if you didn't have this knife, they, the Tanakh would kill you on sight. And that wasn't the case because when she was going to Arrowhand, they gave her a warning before going further. Yep. You know? And actually, like, so we'll talk about the gauntlet run later, but like if you do the gauntlet run first, you know, you go to talk to them and one of them says, oh, this person has a death wish, but they're just kind of like, 
they're, they're, they're like, they're kind of threatening, but they're not actually threatening you. Mm-hmm. You know, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it still kind of breaks what they say about the Tanakh, <laughs> you know. But this one, I mean, you do find it about how, like, how, and I, I won't even say this is, this is a re- reflection of the, the, the Tanakh completely, right? Like, this is a more reflection of the Desert Clan because they choose to live in the most harsh part of Tanakh country, which is the desert, where there's no water. Right. You know? Which, I mean, at that point, especially since the clan wars are no longer a thing, why are they not getting water from the other areas? (laughs) I was going to ask that, too. But it also depends on what other limited water supplies people have, because Aloy has to fix the world, right? Like, all of the the water in the planet has bad stuff happening. I mean, look at Plain Song with all the blight. So we don't know what kind of water could could be contaminated at this point. Not the snow and the not uh you know sky clan lands. I'm just saying that comes straight from the sky. <laughs> you know. So I'm pretty sure like they have more water than what's available. Even if it's not all, you know, clean, they, there is still more water than the desert clan has to offer. Yeah, I was I was I wondering so. about that too though cuz there's like once you get out of the desert which isn't that far of a walk it's just like lakes green and green and, and rivers <laughs> and <laughs> I mean the 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 oh god what is it called the I was I don't want to call the monument not the monument the uh the place where her car is the grove the memorial grove yeah yeah the memorial grove is in the middle of a jungle yeah. Yeah, it's in the middle of a jungle. Farther north, the salt, the, uh, what's it called? The salt, uh... Salt bite? Salt bite, yes. There's a whole lake there, you know? So, yeah, they have they have other water resources. So, the clan, the clan war's over. Like, if I was Draka, I'd be talking to Hakara, like, hey, can you help me out a little bit here? Like, you know? Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, I mean... We're going to end the episode here. So, Christina, what, what are you thinking right now? Where, where's your head at in the game? Which is, is weird because this is the end of the game for you. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, when I first went through this area, I was definitely scared. This is the first time I actually saw a spike snout because they're, they're, they have a nest. I can't. Territories out there. So Sites, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was just like, you know, riding around going through the area and I was like, I think it was like after I was done with the North stuff and I saw it and I was like, Oh, let's go over there. And then it saw me. I was like, let's go the other way. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's funny the difference between how I was in the beginning of the game and just like how bold and confident I was at the end of the game. Like I didn't even care if I got seen, but I didn't because I knew how the game worked. Like, right. like so in depth at that point where I was like, I didn't get seen like a single time in those camps because I knew what I was doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like I, you know, I, I, I'm glad the game feels like it's in full force to me. Cause like, you know, um, I didn't skip over to the Memorial Grove at this point and it just, it, I don't know. So it just feels like there's more to do. Right. Like, it feels like I'm actually in the game versus in the beginning of the game. You know, I think we said that, mm-hmm. like, once you get past, you know, actually, once you get past, like, No Man's Land, you know, once you, like, well, not even past No Man's Land, but once you get past uh, the Sacred Cave and stuff like that, 
um, things really start to pick up and it just feels like now there's always something to do, yeah. you know, and, and it's fun to do. Like the game is pushing you in different directions. Like, you know, you'll find tons of stuff to do along the way, you know? Yeah. You know, so always distracted, an, <laughs> always distracted. I will say so. But like I said, we're going to go ahead and close up here. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to keep what's, what's going on with the show and what's going on uh, with the rest of the network, you can follow us on twitter.com slash the mash network. Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at s'mores pop tart on Twitter and Twitch. I'm also part of another podcast on the network called wondrous tales, where we talk about final fantasy 14 content. And you can find me on Twitter at Josh Tradamus. And you can also follow me on our Twitch channel sometimes at twitch.tv slash match those buttons. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we'd love to have you join our Discord. So uh, feel free to join at match.gg slash Discord. And I encourage you guys to reach out with comments and questions. So, you know, you can contact us on Discord or you can reach out to us on Twitter. Or you can just email us at contact at match.gg. Uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do it is to share the show with others and also rate and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take your support a bit further, you can do so at mtb.gg slash support. You can see all the different ways to support Mashable's buttons, including our Patreon, which tiers starting at $2 a month. We do have a Teespring store, which is merch.mash.gg. Uh, we do have Twitch subscriptions available at twitch.tv slash Mashable's buttons. Humble bundle affiliate links where you can buy games for your favorite uh, launcher, whether it be Steam or Epic Games Store you play. Uh, you can buy codes from Humble Bundle. Uh, and also we have one-time PayPal donation links. So I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Mash Those Buttons. And uh, yeah, have a good night or day. Maybe you listen to this. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 